This is The Rooted Podcast, a conversation about the Christian worldview and its implications for every part of life. The Rooted Podcast is hosted by Steve Royce and Brady Johnson. Together, they have over two decades of experience in the business and tech industries and share a desire to help others filter all of life through the Christian faith. Hi, and thanks for listening to The Rooted Podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Brady. And in this episode, we are suspending our sales process evangelism series to cover uh, the topic that's pretty much been in the forefront of all of our lives for the last few weeks, or several weeks at this point, and that's uh, the coronavirus. Yeah, that's right. And I'm just going to say up front that my preference, and I think Brady's too, would have been to continue to focus on the content that we've been producing up to this point that's completely unrelated to what's happening in the world right now. But uh, we have been feeling increasingly led to say something about it, specifically regarding how this current situation that we are in with the coronavirus ties into our ability and our responsibility as Christians to have spiritual conversations and to represent Jesus to others during this time in our world. And things are obviously different now. And in some ways they, you know, it might be this way in some ways forever after this point that we're in as a, a global community and a culture. And so in that vein, there were some thoughts that we wanted to share based on not only some scriptural principles, but also some church history and some other things. And so I'll just say at the beginning that this is likely going to be one of our longer episodes. I know for a fact already that this is going to be by far our most annotated or link heavy episode that we have ever done because there's just a lot to link out to articles, resources, all that stuff, which we will have available. And also just to say that we know that any statistics, any figures or numbers or data that we share is going to be almost immediately out of date because the way things have been happening in the world right now, every couple of days, it feels like a few years have gone by with all yeah. the changes. I've been saying to people, it feels like five new things happen every day. And that's definitely true. And so what we're, what we're aiming at here is not to be a news resource for you on what's what's going on. You have plenty of resources for that. What we're hoping is that the stuff that we cover is going to really take a more 30,000 foot view, a look at what is our Christian responsibility in a time like this. And we hope that no matter what the the numbers are, what the reality of how bad or, or hopefully not bad this virus ends up turning out to be in hindsight, that what we cover in this episode is going to be still relevant and and that that whether this virus ends up having an overall 1% mortality rate or a 91% mortality rate that what we cover here is still relevant still applicable to all of us and it still allows us to move forward with our christian responsibilities and from a perspective of a biblical 
uh, scripturally based place. So that's what we're after. Right. Yeah. And, you know, talking about a a 30,000 foot view, I mean, the thing I'm seeing a lot is there's a lot of fear going around about the virus, you know, which has really caused a lot of people to just act irrationally. And it's concerning, uh, especially when you see that it's, you know, those of us that are following Christ and seeing how we behave, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not something I'm saying that, you know, having concern over this is irrational, but you know, we should really talk about what's happening, how people are, are currently reacting and how we should react according what, to what scripture has to say. Exactly. Because I mean, frankly, I don't think either of us are overly concerned with how the world, I'll put that in scare quotes, the world at large <laughs> is acting because I, honestly, I expect there to be a lot of fear. I expect there to be a lot of anxiety the, the issue that we're seeing is that it seems like a large percentage of those in the Christian community are also acting and reacting in those same ways. And that's right. very, that's concerning to us because it just it ought not to be that way. And so broadly, we wanted to cover three sort of related topics as it pertains to this and just general principles that we feel like, again, are rooted in scripture and history and hopefully just some common sense as well. But, uh, so here goes our first one, uh, our first principle for this episode is just to, to remind us all, and this is for all of us that we, we need to remember that we are called to represent Christ at all times and in all circumstances and loving our neighbors as ourselves means that as Christians, there is no room for us to practice the following behaviors, even during something like a global pandemic. The first one would be hoarding food and supplies that other people in our communities and neighborhoods almost almost certainly need more than we do. And I wanted to, to direct your attention to a particular passage of scripture. If you've read a lot of Old Testament, you may recall this. If you haven't, this may be a relatively obscure passage, but it comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 16. And this is during the time when uh, the Lord is leading the Israelites through Moses out of Egypt, and they are on their way to the promised land, and God is providing uh, sustenance for his people. And I'll just read starting in verse 15. It says, when the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each of you, as much as you can eat. You shall each take an omer, according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less, but when they measured it, With an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had nothing, had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over until morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. You may be wondering, like, what in the world does that have to do with coronavirus, right? And just just this is to say there's a lot of hoarding that's going on. I have pictures from a grocery store visit I did last week where 
we were trying to find just a couple cans of beans and the entire uh, shelf for the entire aisle in the grocery store was just completely empty, just entirely empty. And that's just, that's what's happening right now. And it may be a little bit better, a little bit worse, depending on where you are and what part of the country or even what, what country you're in. But the point here is to say that when it comes to hoarding food, when it comes to hoarding supplies, what was the point that God was trying to get across to the Israelites in the desert? And it was daily dependence on him, right? God desired, because he, he could have given them food that would have lasted. So the reason that he didn't was because he wanted them to depend on him and not their ability to store up or to hoard or to, to make their own provisions for the next day. And so when they tried to do that, it didn't work. God caused it to rot. But daily dependence on God as the ultimate source of our sustenance, our supplies of our daily necessities and needs is absolutely a biblical principle. So as Christians, there really isn't any room for us to be hoarding food, to be going and stockpiling up things that other people need, because that's not where our dependence and our confidence should come from. It should come from God. Another area is expressing fear or anxiety about, you know, what ifs and hypotheticals and all these different things that might happen and conspiracies and all those other things. Remember in Matthew chapter six, Jesus specifically commanded his followers not to worry about tomorrow. He said, if God, if God clothes the grass of the field, cares for the birds of the air, will he not much more care for you? Are you not worth more than them? Right. And the idea is that Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Worry about today right now. And by by going out and and loading up on things by spending tons and tons of money and and maybe not being a great steward uh, in hindsight of our resources as Christians that could have been used in other better ways. Again, it doesn't demonstrate the kind of daily dependence and and the lack of worry for tomorrow that Jesus talked about in Matthew. And then the other one thing that there's really not any room for right now is something that unfortunately both of us have seen a lot of, especially on social media, and that is attacking and criticizing others, especially other believers, fellow brothers and sisters, for making choices that you or I personally would do differently, we wouldn't agree with. And we're going to talk more about that in a little bit, but just to say that there's a lot of just nastiness out there right now. People have stopped being nice. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> we sure have. And that's at the post office, at the grocery store, just out and about. There's even sites and and hotlines that are being set up across the nation. I read about one this past week in Minnesota for neighbors to rat out their their other neighbors for you know not doing a good enough job of following the social distancing and it's just like guys that if that's not a scary time and place to be in i don't know what would kind of wake us up that that is not a line we want to cross as a country that's not a way of thinking about our own neighbors and our our, our friends and family that we want to get into we just don't want to be anywhere near that especially right. as christians and so we'll talk more about it in a bit as we said but uh, so that's that's our first big idea that we are we're called to represent Christ at all times in all circumstances. And so how we act, how we choose to behave, the types of behaviors that we demonstrate, the type of dependence or lack thereof that we demonstrate on God, and then how we treat others, all of it is on display. We right. are always, always 
a representative and an ambassador for the gospel, even during a global pandemic. And so we have to remember that and, and hopefully make that our, our, our reference point. Right. And, you know, during this time, just think about the attention that can be on us as Christians and those that know that we're Christians, they're going to see how we behave during this time and what better way to shine the light of Christ, but to be more Christ-like. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. So our second topic or, or related topic that we wanted to discuss is this idea that, and this is a, maybe a, a bit of a controversial one, but we're going to dive into it. We're just going to go ahead first and we'll see what happens. But that our, our obedience as Christians has to be primarily to Christ first and to human authority second. And when I say that, what I don't want you to immediately think is that, oh, Steve is calling for us to ignore all the recommendations and go out and do whatever we want. That is not (laughs) what I'm saying. Definitely not. In fact, if we look at scripture and we look at Romans chapter 13, what we will find is that we are commanded as Christians to obey the laws of our land so that we can maintain a good reputation as believers. And it's if you don't have a good reputation, it's going to be really hard to share the gospel with people and to make an impact on them the way that Christ would want us to. But there are limits to how that command is is lived out. And for instance, that does not give us or, or require us, that does not require us to obey laws that directly contradict scripture or that would ask us to undermine our own consciences. And this is where you get into a little bit of a Christian liberty issue, I think, which Paul covers in the very next chapter in Romans chapter 14, where he he does make room for the fact that Christians who are sincerely seeking God and who are sincerely desiring to be obedient to God in the circumstances in which they find themselves are going to differ at times, sometimes in large ways, over what obedience for them and their conscience actually looks like. And we have to be willing as Christians to give one another the benefit of the doubt. We have to be willing to make allowances for the fact that we're not all going to see things exactly the same way. And that doesn't necessarily make one of us guilty of some great moral failing. It just doesn't. Um, and, and this comes from the fact that, I mean, we've both witnessed that there's been a lot of internal fighting that I've seen on you know, social media and other places where between people who call themselves Christians. And it's just, we feel like it's just so important to remember that at least at the moment of this recording, that social distancing is not actually a law. It's a, it's a recommendation by the CDC and it's a strong suggestion. And honestly, it's, it's a suggestion that in a lot of ways is, is it's for the good of society at large. It makes a lot of sense. However, my biggest problem so far with how this topic and social distancing has been handled is seeing people, and I have, being addressed as if they've committed some morally reprehensible act for taking their healthy children on a walk or on a bike ride. They, they haven't. They haven't done anything wrong. And, you know, we can differ as reasonable people over how much wisdom there is in their decision to do that. But as Christians, especially, it is simply not right to make a moral judgment about 
someone's behavior, citing some scripture, but not others, where there is no law that we can point to that they've broken. Because that's the thing. The CDC has made a recommendation. The government has largely thrown its weight behind that recommendation. But we have to remember the CDC is a privately funded organization and they're not a lawmaking body in our country. And so while their advice is, I think, generally good advice, we need to remind ourselves that if someone chooses for good reasons or for for not to not follow it, they haven't actually broken a law. Now, there's, there's consequences to those, which we'll get into because some people have chosen to go that route and they have experienced consequences. But the point is, is as Christians, uh, if another Christian brother and sis- or sister sees things differently, if they, if they are willing to put their family at a little bit more risk, maybe from your perspective, it doesn't necessarily mean they're doing anything morally wrong. Uh, you may see it as unwise and, just as other people who are willing to go out and assume a little bit of risk see, you know, never leaving your house is unwise uh, and for other reasons. And we'll get into what those could be as well. So point being is there is a lot to be said for obeying the authority that God has placed in our lives and put over us. However, and as we're going to talk about in a couple minutes, there is, I think, a healthy amount of concern for just how much the restrictions that have been placed on us are actually impeding our ability to do our job as Christians. And that is where I think Brady and I would have uh, something to say maybe about whether or not there's room to walk right up to the line. Yeah. I mean, when you you look at the progression of how this quarantine, quarantine is really you know, happen. It went from, you know, simple suggestions of limiting your contact. And then, you know, some people started working from home and you know, everybody is staying at home. If you're non-essential, uh, you know, now there's full on state stay at home mandates that we're seeing, you know, though, again, like you said, they're not really law. There's no direct implications right now. But then you look at, you know, for example, stories of the, the pastor getting arrested, uh, for leading a service uh, at his church, you the know. one in Florida, yeah, and you know we'll we'll cite the the article for that, you know, for your own reading. Uh, but it just kind of demonstrates that you know you can see different evolution of of what we're expected to do and what society thinks we ought to do uh, to you know straight up what the maybe legal impact is though according to the story it sounds as though this this church took on the best of their uh, ability to follow the mandates and follow these uh, kind of suggestions of limiting distance and, you know, providing sanitization and those types of things. Um, So, you know, you have different perspectives on how we should go about this. It's evolved very rapidly and it really has turned into something that has greatly impact us as Christians and, and how we ought to behave, you know, whether that's fear of our our ability to, you know, just go get groceries. So now we have to stockpile or, you know, our, our fear of just getting sick ourselves. So we're just going to stay inside, you know, so we kind of forego that fellowship or that service that we might perform for others. It just, it, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, and you, you raised the story about that pastor and I, that was something that I wanted to, to add on to, because as you said, so Yes, it is absolutely true that the pastor and the congregation, they weren't following the CDC guidelines of, 
you know, 10 or fewer people gathered in one spot. That is, that's true. That's undisputable. In, that's indisputable. However, again, the CDC isn't a government agency. And the other thing to, to think about is that other than that recommendation of 10 or, 10 or fewer, they were doing everything that they could to, to abide by all the other recommendations. Family groups were seated with each other, but if you weren't part of a family group, you were seated at least six feet away. They had purchased, I think the article said like $100,000 worth of air purification equipment. The people who were uh, volunteering and serving during the service were wearing gloves. They were, you know, they were they were going out of their way to try and make that environment as safe and as sterile as possible. Mm-hmm. And yet they still wanted to assemble and, and physically be in the same space as one another. And there's part of me that can't, I, that just, I, I empathize with that. What's interesting is that less than 24 hours after this pastor was arrested, the governor of Florida actually issued an order allowing in-person religious services as long as the CDC guidelines are followed, which again, they said that the, I think the county sheriff said that this, this executive order wouldn't be retroactive. So this pastor, this particular pastor is still being charged. However, no other congregations or church leadership can be charged as far as I understand in the same way that he was because of this executive order. And in similar fashion, the governor of Texas just issued an executive order explicitly prohibiting judges and and city mayors from banning religious gatherings during this time. So if churches in those states want to assemble, as long as they're being wise about it and practicing the other CDC guidelines, they have a legal basis for doing so, and they can't be told that they can't. And so, but the fact that these governors felt the need to do these or to, to uh, send out these orders should tell us that Christians we really need to look at what's happening in our country right now from a from a bigger perspective, from a 30,000-foot view. In many, many states in our country right now, abortion clinics are open for business because they've been labeled as essential services. But without executive orders, churches can't meet. Now, again, they're not, they're, they fall into different categories. One is allegedly a health service, but the other is a religious thing. But the point is, What's really concerning is how many Christians seem to be okay with this kind of a major backing off and sort of relegating of religious services and things like that, because we're going to make a larger point in a, in a few minutes, but I really feel like we can't actually do what the church is called to do in the current state of affairs, which begs the question of how committed are we? to our calling and our responsibility as the church, if we're willing to give up and relegate those, those responsibilities so easily as as it seems like a lot of us have. Right. And it's, and it's worth mentioning in that in China, in Wuhan specifically, I, I have articles linked for this as well, that there are Chinese Christians that are going out and handing out tracts and sharing the gospel with people in Wuhan. And they're wearing masks while they do it, which is ironic because not only are the masks protecting them from coronavirus, but they also protect their identities because it is not legal to be a Christian, to share the gospel, to talk about Christianity in China. But despite that, despite the fact that what they're doing is illegal, they're doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. And 
And it's expressly against the law to be doing what they're doing. And not only that, but there are actually reports from China that include some Chinese Christians being miraculously healed from this virus and that physical church gatherings are not only continuing in China in the underground church, but they're actually swelling. So on the one hand, it seems like, man, if that's uh, outside the U.S. perspective, we really ought to rethink, I think, our priorities if our biggest priority right now as Christians is our own health and safety. Yeah, and I mean, we should really talk about how, you know, these government mandates or the suggestions really, they are impacting our abilities to spread the word and to to serve others. You know, we are refraining from from communicating with others or, or meeting with others uh, for fear of maybe spreading the virus or fear of, you know, what the government mandate might do. Um, and we kind of have this sense of obligation to stay home, though, you know, we may have the technology that allows us to meet virtually, right? You know, we might be able to do our services online or, you know, use Zoom calls. But are we just checking off that box of, oh, I talked to someone today or, oh, I, you know, did worship, you know, online or heard the the word preached to me this Sunday? Does that mean we're actually doing what we're called to, to serve one another and to, you know, actually lift one another up or hold each other accountable or whatever it might be? you know, that God has called us to do through service to him. Steve mentioned a good kind of analogy of, you know, it's like you're told to stay inside for, you know, 60 days. It's like being told to hold your breath for 30 seconds. And then at that 25 second mark, go another 30 seconds and then another, you know, and how long are we going to delay this and go without our oxygen supply before we really just start feeling that effects, right? Yeah, I mean, every time there's been a time limit put on how long this quarantine is going to last, the stay at home, whatever, shelter in place, it always gets extended, right? It was right. it was a week, and then it was two, and then it was the end of the month, and then it was the end of this next month. And I mean, if if we are being honest with ourselves, no one really knows when it's actually going to end, and so. If we're so, if we, if we as a, as a church in general have been so willing to just stop meeting together, thinking even if it was just for a short time, but then it gets turned into a longer time, which turns into an even longer time. And, and again, to be honest, none of us have any idea when we're actually going to meet again. Are we okay with that? Really? Uh, it just, there, it seems like there should be some kind of pushback. There should be some kind of sense of urgency to get back in the same space with one another, even if it means that, you know, we can't hug and we can't shake hands because as Brady said, like, and and we'll again, talk about this in, in a little bit more down the line, but is that really what the church is for? Is it really just to sing songs and to, to sit in, breathe the same air while we listen to a sermon passively, is that really what church is for? Or is church for more than that, right? Because it's not my concern that we're able to do worship and sermons remotely. Of course we are. Like we've already proven that 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 goes off without a hitch. But if that's not what the church is actually for, who cares if we can do those things remotely? Can we do the other things that the church is for remotely? Right. Like serving one another, like holding each other accountable, right? Like we, you get a number on the live stream that doesn't tell you who's there. And again, it's, it's, it's 
it doesn't mean that we're policing, but it means like, where is the accountability of like, Hey, I didn't see you this Sunday. Are you okay? How's it going? What's going on in your life? We can't do any of that because we don't know who was there and who wasn't. You just see a number. No one's in the chat. No one's doing, you know, there's just a lot that's missing. And surely I'm not the only one that's, that's not okay with that. But it seems like people are more concerned with staying away. And, and again, I get that, but what happens when what is being suggested hamstrings our ability to be the church, like really be the church and actually do our job and to be with one another, the way that we're, we're called to be one another with one another. Right. Um, and you raised a good point, Brady, that I think we do have the technology in this country to be able to do some things remotely. And so, yes, they're doing things in China that are challenging and that are bold, but in a lot of ways, they they don't have a choice, right? right. Because in China, it, it is a different context than our than our context. I'll be the first one to admit that. In China, their government is actively antagonistic toward Christianity and all things Christian. That's not the case here. In China, the... Uh, it's not just physical meetings of churches. It's even Zoom meetings, even remote and and live streams are being hunted down and cracked down on. People are being arrested for being Christians there. That's not the case here. And right. it's not even true that a lot of Chinese folks in the church probably even have access to the technology to do a live stream, even if that was an option. And even if they did, China is also a country where the internet is so heavily censored and monitored that if someone did a live stream, their IP address is being tracked and the secret police are headed your way, right? <laughs> so there's just a lot of lot of things that are different about the Chinese context. And so when those folks go out illegally and they share the gospel and they go out and they hand out tracts and they talk with people in the streets, I get that that's not necessarily, that doesn't mean that's the right call for us here because we have other means uh, but what it does mean is that, you know, we, we need to, it should challenge us at least a little bit to say, are we putting what we're being told to do ahead of what we know Christ has asked us to do? Right. W- where is that balance? Right. And like I, like I shared with you before, it's, it's kind of the analogy with the, the Chinese church anyway, of like, you know, you step on the bubble in the carpet it's going to pop out somewhere else. It, mm-hmm. it just is. And so in their context, going out and street witnessing, because every other means of meeting together and talking to people has been shut down. This is the option they were left with. This is the only option they were left with if they were going to continue to be faithful to their calling. And so that's what they did. That's not necessarily true of us. And so I'm not advocating that that's what we do, despite, you know, and, you know, throw, throw all the recommendations out and just go out and do those things. It's not what I'm saying at all, but what I'm saying is it should at least challenge us to think about whether or not our loyalty and our primary concern is with following the rules and staying safe or whether it's making sure that we're still having the impact and the presence and the kingdom building that we're called to as, as the church. Right. And I think we can all look at our own contexts and know, you know, what risks we may be willing to take or, you know, what risks we can't take. You know, we know that some may be at a higher risk and that means that there is absolutely no means for any type of outreach or contact. You know, but if you find yourself capable of 
you know, Skype calls, Zoom calls, whatever it might be, you know, are you taking that opportunity to reach out to your brothers and sisters to really serve them? You know, are you able to reach out to your local community? And, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but our context are going to vary in, you know, our use of technology or lack thereof really shouldn't limit us to say, well, this is all I can do. So I'm just going to kind of sit here, check in my, my Christian life up on the shelf and I'll pick it up later once the coronavirus goes away. Uh, we really should uh, look at what are our options? How do we best serve through this and not just kind of simply use the technology as, as kind of an escape from this. Right. Yeah. And I want to make one more point that's in this sort of related in this vein of, of, as Peter said in Acts, like serving, serving God rather than man is, and I realize what I'm about to say is a little bit controversial. And so I have done my best to provide all the relevant links, uh, that you would need to to do the research for your own. I don't, certainly don't want you to take my word for it on this, but one thing that's been a big push in the media lately is the creation of the vaccine for the coronavirus. And some people are even pushing to, you know, we need to stay in this social distancing mode for 18 months or more until we have a vaccine so that we can get things back to normal. And there's several issues I think we ought to have as Christians, but even just generally speaking, even even not as a Christian, is it Listen, there's podcasts and all the kinds of resources on this particular topic. So we're not really going to get into the efficacy of the of a vaccine that is dealing with multiple mutations and strains. Although I'll just say that the closest analog that we would have to that is the flu vaccine. And it's one of the least effective vaccines that we know of. Um, and, and that's just simply because a vaccine is not a vaccine is not a vaccine, right? It, it depends on what you're vaccinating against, how effective it can be uh, in, in treatment. And for a virus like the flu or like the coronavirus that mutates and that has multiple strains, uh, with the flu vaccine, they create, uh, they take their best guess and at what the dominant strain is going to be that year. And then they create the vaccine. And last year's vaccine in 2019 was horribly ineffective. Um, it's just because they guessed wrong, right? And and they they tend to guess wrong most of the time when you look at the effectiveness. And that is just what happens when you're trying to vaccinate against something that has multiple strains and can mutate. It's just not very effective. So my my big concern with saying that is is just that as Christians, we would not be looking to a medicine or a vaccine or any any sort of scientific breakthrough as the the last great hope, you know, for our situation or to, to come along and save us because only Jesus Christ can do that. And it's not, it's salvation is not going to come through any, any other means, any other person, any other invention, any other medical breakthrough. It's only going to come through Jesus because even if tomorrow we got a vaccine that worked a hundred percent for this, we're still in this world, right? No vaccine is going to fix the world and the way the world is. No medicine is going to do that. No science is going to do that. No philosophy is going to do that. No government is going to do that. Right. It has to be Jesus. And so as Christians, I'm just, I don't want us to put our hope and our trust in some untested medicine uh, above or uh, alongside Jesus, ignoring the fact that uh, an untested medicine like this one has is crossing all kinds of ethical lines in the development process to get to us. And this is where it's not just a general concern, but a specifically a Christian concern. 
it is not a secret. I hope it's not that many, many companies and organizations are working hard on a coronavirus vaccine right now. And that's because they all realize that whoever gets whoever gets that thing to market first is stands to make billions, billions of dollars. There is an unbelievable, obscene amount of money on the table for whoever comes to market first with a vaccine for this. So a lot of companies are are racing to be the first to develop it. What I don't think is that a lot of Christians are aware that these companies, including Johnson & Johnson, which is in the article that I cite in the notes, are utilizing to develop this coronavirus vaccine. They're utilizing cell lines from aborted babies in order to propagate uh, the virus and the vaccine. Now, as Christians who believe that life is sacred, that life begins at conception, and that abortion is always wrong, uh, we ought to that ought to give us great pause over using the corpses of these babies to develop medicines and then injecting fragments of of that DNA uh, into ourselves and into others. If abortion is wrong ethically, then businesses and products and technologies that profit from abortion should also be off limits to us. And, you know, unless you think, you may think, if you don't know anything about this, if you haven't looked at it or any of the, the data or research out there, you may, you may be hearing this and, and uh, thinking, well, surely, surely that's a, an exception. That's not a thing that happens. It, it is actually, um, it's not a novel or unique thing. There are many vaccines uh, on the market that do this, that use aborted fetal cells in the propagation of and uh, the development of the vaccine, including really well-known ones like the MMR, Hep A, the DTaP, uh, rabies, varicella, which is chickenpox, and shingles, just to name a couple. There's more. Um, they all they all do, and this is information that you can find right on the FDA website. It's not hidden. You just need to know what to look for. So in the notes, in in the uh, the, sh- the show links. Uh, I'll have all that provided if you want to want to check that out for yourself. I know our show is going to be swimming in links, <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna put those up there too. Yeah, curious minds uh, will definitely be satisfied with the extra content uh, that you can get in written form with all of the different links out to different uh, articles. Oh, you'll be able to spend hours looking at all the stuff here. We've certainly spent hours reading about this and thinking about it and talking about it for right. sure. So one last point or, or category of, of topic that we wanted to cover, um, in, and this is that despite what you might hear on the news or in the media, uh, what we're experiencing now is not actually historically unique or unprecedented, <laughs> uh, no matter how pe- much people insist that it is. If you look at the history of the church, and this is part of what I was educated on when I was in getting my degrees in Bible college, there have been at least four major plagues or pestilences that killed off significant portions of the population from Rome all the way up until the Middle Ages. Like when the Middle Ages one would be the plague, the bubonic plague, the Black Death. And when they killed populations, we're talking about significantly more people than than is projected to be killed by the coronavirus, although the final number remains to be seen. What's interesting for our purposes, though, is that in every instance, every instance, Christians 
were the ones who chose to remain in harm's way in order to continue ministering to others in need and and remaining faithful to their ministries and their callings. And many times they died in the process. And no matter how we react in this time, it cannot be the same way as the rest of the world. It can't. This is where we all we all have to draw a personal line. I get it. We all have this is a personal decision, but we all have to draw a personal line. We have to, I think, demonstrate prayerful dependence on God and ask for wisdom in our decision making. I get that this is not a one size fits all thing, but but it's interesting at the very least that in history, Christians were willing to put their lives on the line to minister to the sick, minister to the dying. Um, and oftentimes they died too, right? And and I also get that in all those other examples, what was lacking is anything even remotely close to what we would consider modern medicine, right? And so in a lot of ways, modern medicine has is doing the job that Christians did during this time and in these in these other times and places. However, what about within our neighborhoods? Yeah. What about within our communities? Right. It, 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 it should be us, I think, uh, who are willing to put ourselves out there, who are willing to take that risk for the sake of those in our community who who are in need, whether they're sick or not. Um, maybe they're just in need, but it, it should be us. And so for my family's part, we have chosen to open our home up. To any anyone, any families who feel comfortable uh, joining us on Sundays and Wednesdays for our live streaming worship services. So that means anytime that our church is live streaming a service, our door is open. Anyone who wants to come in, they can. And we're 100% okay with that. And anyone who does come, because we have people who come, we we stay six feet apart. But, but we're physically here together. And there's accountability in that. There's uh, encouragement and just being able to sing together. There's something about being physically together. And and again, it's not because we hate old people or we want them to die. It's because we believe very strongly that also in Scripture, we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And, and that would include even in the midst of this pandemic. And though how we go about that certainly needs to be approached with prayerful thought and humility. But a second thing about that is that we also believe that Singing together, listening to a sermon together, like I said before, that's not really what church is for. Church is for accountability, it's for encouragement, and most importantly, mutual service to one another. Right. And I, I realize that, you know, the pastor, the worship leader, the IT team, the AV techs, the people running the words, and the on-site security at our church, they're serving. Great. So out of our, our church of a couple hundred people, seven people are serving. I, I hope you're not okay with that. I hope that I hope that you're not okay with that few of us actually getting to exercise our gifting and to to serve one another during this time. That's not okay with me. I hope it's not okay with you. And so the handful of people who are still serving at our church, my hat's off to them, but our capacity as a church, capital C church is greatly diminished by completely cutting ourselves off when we're not physically with one another. And then one other thought here is just as followers of Jesus, I just really believe that we have a higher calling to, to than just to maintain our own safety or even that of our other brothers and sisters. And, and so I'll put it this way. 
as Christians, do we believe that the, this world is dying, right? And everyone in it. And if they don't have Jesus Christ in their lives, they're going to die and they're going to enter a Christless, godless eternity in hell. Yes, we all believe that that's true, I think, if we if we take what the Bible says at face value. But that's true even if the coronavirus never existed. So now right. what we have is a situation where uh, the world is dying even faster, and yet... <laughs> we're, we're hiding, we're hiding our light under, under a bushel, right? We're, we're staying in our homes and we're not going out and telling people we're not interacting with people. We're not seeking opportunities to share with the dying world. What's so necessary for them to hear. And, you know, and and this is, it's not just people that are dying from the coronavirus, because if you, if you read news and again, we've got links to all this stuff, suicide rates, and depression and mental health issues are skyrocketing all over. Child abuse, domestic abuse is is on the rise. Uh, robberies and muggings over toilet paper are happening right now. My wife and I both separately talked to people this past week who either witnessed or have a family member who was mugged for paper goods in a parking lot. I mean, it's just, it's unreal that that's happening, but it is. Our neighbors and our coworkers are filing for unemployment uh, because they don't have a way to pay for anything right now, right? And people are dealing with a profound lack of purpose and meaning in their life. And what this quarantine has done, it is has forced the pace of all of our lives to slow down just enough that everyone is now coming face to face with the reality that they don't really have much purpose or meaning in their lives. And it's causing people to become depressed and even suicidal or to do all kinds of things that they wouldn't normally do. But shouldn't that give us a sense of urgency as Christians, you know, to go out and to try and to try and save some rather than to stay in and to, to worry about our own health and safety. And again, I'll just say this and granted, I I totally realize that what I'm saying you might not agree with, uh, but part of what we're talking about is that it's okay to disagree about these things as long as we're able to take a balanced scriptural approach. You, The way you react to this might not be the same as me. Can we make room for both of us to have a difference of opinion and and neither of us to be you know, in the moral wrong here? But, but from my perspective, even if I go to a, just an extreme example, if I die of this disease in the midst of trying to reach other people for Jesus— Honestly, what more, more, what more noble death could I possibly aspire to as a Christian? And I realize that might seem irresponsible to people, but again, in all transparency, it, God is not only more than capable of protecting me or anyone else uh, of His His children, but if He is, if He's willing that I should die in service to Him. God is far more capable of providing for my family than I ever will be. So my only fear, if I have any during this time in, you know, our world's history and and this, this just really, you know, really odd uh, experience we're all going through is that is the fear that Christians have forgotten their place. I feel like we've, we, this is, this should be a great opportunity for us to pursue spiritual conversations, 
to pursue evangelism, to pursue an impact and service toward our neighbors and our family and our friends more than ever. But it seems like so many of us are have huddled in together and we're navel gazing and we're just looking at what we can do to get by and to be comfortable on our own. My friends, that is not what Christ has called us to do. He's called us to, we, we've, we have never belonged to this world. We have always been commanded to take up our cross and die daily. And now we've been given this opportunity to prove our words and what we say we believe with action. And a lot of us are cowering instead of boldly proclaiming Jesus in our churches and in our neighborhoods. And I just, I mean, this question that just comes to me, I mean, do we trust God or don't we? I feel like in some ways that's kind of what it boils down to, because when you look at the hoarding, when you look at the, 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 the staying in all these other things, there is an element of fear here that just is not, this is not uh, fear is not something that comes from God. And, and, and again, I realize that many of you may disagree with me on some of these things and I'm okay with that. I really am. As long as you're drawing your conclusions from a well-rounded meditation of scripture and prayerful leading of the Holy Spirit. Honestly, uh, it's totally okay as long as it's not just how you feel. If, if this is something that we're both prayerfully seeking after God and we come to, to different conclusions, great, great. That's, that's totally okay. So we do have some practical applications because a lot of this has been philosophical. A lot of this has been high level and, and ways to think about this as Christians and what our role is. There are some practical applications we want to offer no matter where you find yourself. So, um, Brady, why don't you cover our first one? Yeah, I think the big one here, and I think we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but don't neglect your your neighbors, your communities, your your kind of local unit. If you're able to join, uh, you know, your neighborhood Facebook page, you know, use your, your next door group, or, you know, just being able to offer yourself kind of as a resource, whether it's to, you know, go out and buy and deliver groceries for someone, whether it's some medications they might need, or any other necess- necessities uh, that they don't have access to, you know, please do that. You know, Jesus said that to whomever we offer a cup of cold water in his name is as if we did it for him. And if you happen to have already hoarded a bunch of supplies, consider giving them away to your community. You know, there's going to be plenty of people that need service. And uh, if anyone should be willing to go without something during this time for the sake of somebody else, it should be us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And I, I love what you just said. I'll say it again for to reiterate. Like, If anyone should be willing to go without during this time for the sake of your neighbor, your coworker, whatever, shouldn't it be us? Yep. Shouldn't it be the Christians, right? Like I, I just, if we have extra, even if we don't have extra, we should still be willing to give it away because- that allows us to do what the the next thing we're going to talk about is, is to be more dependent on God. But also it's like, you realize that when you give away something that you kind of needed so that someone in your neighborhood could, could, or your community could benefit from that, do you realize you're suffering for Christ? And there's a reward in that for you, right? That you're being willing to suffer so that you can be an example so that you can represent Christ well, so that you can do what he would have done in that same situation. You're, you're sharing in his sufferings and that is, that is okay. We, we got to be okay with suffering. Um, and it's hard, it's hard to be okay with suffering, but, and again, I'll just say for all these things, we're not saying or, or asking anything that we are not doing already ourselves or willing to do. 
my family, we are part of our neighborhood Facebook group. We're tied into our next door app. We had a gal last week, this past week, ask, Hey, I, I need to get some toilet paper. Does anyone have any recommendations on where I can go that actually has some in stock? A messenger said, how many rolls do you need? We'll get it over to you tonight. Right. I mean, just, we have to be willing to do that stuff because if we don't, then, then who will? Right. And, and so we got to be willing to go without, if anyone's going to go without, it should be us. So the other part is that that being willing to do that also gives us the opportunity to practice daily dependence on God for taking care of our needs. And here's an example of just something, again, that we are doing. I am actively practicing this. I was thinking the other day, and I was telling Brady about this, that back in Bible times, you know, when you were, when, when you were expressing thanksgiving to God for the food that you had, it's because you were so connected to your food, right? If, if the crops grew at all and didn't die, uh, it's because God protected them and allowed them to bear fruit and allowed them to grow. So you're looking at the fruit of crops that God allowed to, to live that you can, you can directly attribute to his blessing. If you go on a hunt and you're trying to catch an animal that might be your food for that day, if you manage to bag an animal and you thank God for it, it's because you know that he is the reason that you were able to get that. We're so disconnected from our food and where we get our food and all these things today. It's hard to make a direct analogy to that, but we can try. So here's something that I did that I started doing. And I can say definitively, we've actually experienced answered prayer as a result of this, that, you know, this past week, uh, my family needed to go to the grocery store. And so that night, but the, knowing that was going to happen the next day and we have littles, we can't just, we can't go at the best times. We can't go first thing in the morning. We just can go when we can go. And so that night before I just started praying uh, with my kids, we prayed, uh, after they went to bed that just God, it, we can't go, uh, when we're supposed to go, we can't go when any time, like there's no guarantee. There's no reason given that everything is gone, that things are flying off the shelves, that rationings happen, all these things. There's no reason that anything that we want or need or have on our list should be there because we're going at a terrible time in the middle of the run, all these other things. So if we get there and anything that we want or need or have on our list is there, is still there and hasn't been taken by someone, it is only because you have provided it for us. It's only because you have caused it to be available for us and you have given it to us so that we can have it in our house. Amen. And if there's something that we have on our list that we don't have, that that's just not there, then that means that you know that we don't really need it right now. And, and that's okay. And so every time we can, we can demonstrate dependence on God in this way. It's just not in a way that we're used to because we're used to going to the store and there's just always more than anyone could ever possibly want. Not right now. So we can be dependent on God in this way. Right now it's a unique opportunity that in our country we'll probably never face again. So it's a great, it's a great chance to be dependent. Yeah, I really like that. I think that's a personal uh, conviction for me to really assess those little things and realize that, you know, it's things that you take for granted. Yeah. And that takes us into our third one, you know, try to find ways to physically assemble uh, with even just a few other believers so that you can serve one another, you know, whether that's through hospitality or some, some other type of service for someone. Um, if that's not possible, or if, you know, you're one of those individuals who could be at high risk for yourself or your family, do prayerfully, prayerfully consider 
uh, how your gifts can be used to either encourage uh, or exhort fellow believers remotely outside of just joining the live streams uh, once or twice a week. You know, really look for what kind of opportunities that you have daily or, you know, even if it is weekly, uh, finding what, you know, God is calling you to do within your ability. Yeah. I mean, go, this is the bare minimum, right? Going to just going to church is the bare minimum two hours a week. That's, that's just not, that's not what the church is called to be. So whose number do you have? How can you reach out and connect with people? Can you can you organize a time uh, where you can get together with a group of people and pray for one another? Can you organize a time where you can uh, have a group chat and you can talk with people about, hey, how's your week going? Do you need anything? What are your needs? What are your neighbor's needs? Can we band together and can we be a resource for our community? How can we use our giftings? How can we use our resources beyond just dialing into YouTube twice a week? Because again, that's not what church is for. That's never been what church has been about. And if we allow that to be all that church is, we are missing our calling right now. Right. And so our last practical tip for ways that we can really, I think, focus in on our our Christian responsibilities during this time is that we can all, all of us, ask God to grant us a daily attitude of grace toward one another and for those who are in authority right now. Make, having to make really hard decisions on a daily basis. And I'll just say this because this goes back to what we said at the beginning of just people getting nasty with each other and just people aren't nice anymore and all those other things. Only God knows the heart. And it is inherently dangerous to assume that you know someone's motives for any decision that they're making, even if it's a, a decision that you personally would not make or you don't agree with. You just simply, we simply don't know their heart. And especially if they're a brother or sister, we don't know if they're, we don't know that they're doing something uh, out of malice or spite. In fact, they probably aren't they're, They probably are doing it because they have come to a reasoned decision about it. They have a conviction about it. And even though it's something different than you would choose, we have to be able to give each other the benefit of the doubt when right. we differ over issues, even seemingly really big issues like how to react to something like a global pandemic, <laughs> right? And so that that's a big thing. We would all do well to pray for and to try and exercise as much grace with one another and, and with those we come into contact with as possible because it's through reacting with grace in a high stress time, people are going to see a difference in us because right. they're not acting that way, I can assure you. They're yelling at each other. They're mugging each other. It's a, it's getting rough outside. And if we treat each other and them this way, guarantee you there's going to be a difference that's noticed, you know, and keep in mind that throughout all this, what we're not saying is we're, we're not minimizing this pandemic. We're not minimizing what the coronavirus is to our community at large. What we are saying is let's evaluate who we are as Christians, what Christ has called us to be. And to really evaluate and prayerfully consider what God is calling us to do during this time. Uh, so take a moment. If you need some time, if you want to re-listen to this podcast a time over to really absorb everything we talked about, it was a lot of content, uh, do so. Yeah. And, and really prayerfully consider uh, what your role is or isn't in this pandemic. And uh, let God lead you 
so that you can lead others and serve others. For sure. I mean, like Brady said, we're, we're definitely not trying to minimize or even brush this off. I mean, pe- people are dying. And I think our perspective is it's because people are dying that we feel a sense of urgency to say something about this, to say, is it, isn't it because people are dying that we should take our responsibilities as Christians all that much more seriously, right? It's because people are dying that we should feel a sense of urgency to make our presence as the the church, the body of Christ, more known, more uh, of an impact in our communities and our neighbors. It's because people are dying that we should make an effort to meet physical needs, to help meet spiritual needs in our communities and in our neighborhoods. So it's certainly not a minimization. It's actually, it's because it's so serious for a lot of people and a lot of families, that means that we have a serious job to do and a serious role to play. So uh, this was a very different episode and we hope to get back to our regularly scheduled uh, episodes and content starting with our next uh, episode to come out. And if you haven't already subscribed on Google Podcasts or iTunes, please consider doing so. It it definitely helps us out and uh, you'll get immediate notifications when we have new episodes drop. If you've been listening for a while, also please consider leaving us a rating and a review uh, or telling someone about us so that they can help discover the podcast. We hope that this episode will be one that gets shared uh, with other believers so that we can all begin to think as, as biblically based as we possibly can and to really take our responsibilities seriously. We really hope that this will be an encouragement and maybe even a challenge to a lot of us out there. And uh, so if you have any feedback, if you have any questions, if you have anything that you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please uh, drop us a line at podcast at rooted.productions. That's podcast at rooted.productions. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, y'all. Stay safe, and we hope that you will continue to represent Christ well during this time and maybe pursue some spiritual conversations with neighbors and those in your communities. Thanks for joining us on the Rooted Podcast a creation of Rooted Productions and an affiliate of the Oasis Church in Gilbert, Arizona. For more information about the podcast or to submit a question or comment, please visit us at rooted.productions. Follow us on Instagram at rooted.productions or email podcast at rooted.productions. That's rooted.productions. We hope you'll join us next time.